Anyways, uh, why don't you guys put your hands together this morning. We're going to have Pastor Brian and Karen Travail come up and minister the word of the Lord. It is all yours. All right. All right. You're welcome. Am I on? Yeah, I guess I am on. Good morning, everyone. You're I nine church. Oh, come on! You should have a little more excitement about that. So we're going to bring you the word today on why you, and I won't give you the rest of that because we're going to kind of develop that as we go through here. But before we do, I'm just going to open in prayer, and I'm going to turn it back to the most amazing preacher, other than. Everyone else that preaches, of course, but uh, I'm going to get myself in deep trouble here, so I better just shut up and pray. Please join me. Father God, we just thank you for today. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come into our hearts. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would wear Karen and I as a glove, that this message is not about us. It's about you and what you want to do in the hearts of those here and listening online, Father. Father, I pray, I just pray that this word would not be sown and return null and void, but that it would come back and produce a hundredfold in the hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Just one, Mark 4. Mark 4. It is such an honor and a privilege to be here this morning, to be able to be bringing the beautiful word of God to you. Now, pastors, uh, oh, that was so good this morning, your prayer time. I mean, it's almost like you saw my notes, right? Isn't that the Holy Spirit? He did and, see your notes. Yeah, maybe. And thank you to the music ministry as well. That was just awesome this morning. And, and you know how the, the Holy Spirit seems to have a theme that goes through everything. And pastors Brian and Sherry asked us to speak on why we need each other. You know, there's a lot been said about how to have a healthy relationship. But what about why? Why do we need each other? Why you? That's what we're going to talk about today. And um, Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into that dust, pneuma, the breath of life, God's breath. And when God's breath came in contact with that clay man, man became a living soul. The soul was born. You were created. And he created us um, incredibly we are such a, in, an amazing design because we were made in his likeness and in his image to bear his character. Genesis 2. Oh, first, there are six reasons we're going to talk about today. Why you? And the first reason, the number one reason, are y'all curious? It's God's idea. We need each other, and that's God's idea. He formed us from the dust of the ground. And then he said, you know, Genesis 2.18, he needed to find a companion that was compatible to Adam. So thus, Eve, he created Eve. So God created Adam and Eve, even though he knew they were going to sin and he was going to have to remove them from the garden. But yet he created them anyway. Isn't that amazing? And he made a way before the creation of man for them to come back to him. You know what that way is? It's his son Jesus and the cross. So John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So if, if you think you've blown it, you know, like, let's be real here. If we've blown it, but if you've blown it to the point where over and over and over, it's the same thing over and over and over, and you're like, you know, I just can't seem to get the forgiveness of God for this, this besetting sin. I just can't seem to get back into fellowship with God. Do you know that he's already made the way? He knew from before you were created that you were going to do this, 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 and this, and he made a way for you. And sometimes people will um, fall into sin and it may take years, if ever, for them to come back. But God's already made the way. He already saw it. He's got a person in place. He's got a situation in place for someone, something to speak to your heart to bring you back to him. It's all about bringing you back to him. And thank you this morning. Today is a day for answers. If you have been seeking God for an answer, I believe that this is your day and this is your season, that God is speaking to his body now. He's speaking um, what you have been waiting for for years to hear. He's speaking your way of escape. It's through his son, Jesus. He's got really witty ideas and inventions for you to escape from whatever it is that has been tormenting you or holding you back. Isn't God good? Amen. Hang on a minute here. I gotta find my notes here. So you are made for relationships and that is God's idea. That's not our idea. Sometimes we think, well, I'll just sit home alone, right? And it isn't it wonderful. But the moment you're out the door and you get in contact with other people, there you go, you're gonna be challenged. <laughs> but we are made for relationships and it's experiences from hurtful relationships that caused wounds. And it's going to take new and positive experiences, the opposite of, of the uh, hurtful ones, with healthy people and healthy relationships for you to heal. So we need each other to heal. So what works in restoring a broken life is when one person invests in another person by means of a relationship. The church has the people and the resources for that kind of investment. So I want you to look at your neighbor. Remember, it's the church has the people and the resources to make an investment in another person. So look at your neighbor and said, that means you. That means you. So no one's excluded from that, right? We're all part of the church and we're all responsible to help one another and help each other heal. We'll be talking more about that in uh, just a couple of minutes. You done already? What about your video? Oh, oh, yes. The other uh, very, very important and critical relationships Good thing. that Somebody we have. Knows what's going yeah, on here. they're very, very. Uh, yeah, kind of just you know. There's some really important relationships that you, that we'll notice in life. Like, how about the police, police officers? They're sent out in twos, right? Police officers, firefighters. They have teams. They have units. The military. So I interviewed a very special person in the Navy to find out about this partnership. Can you play the video, please, Larry? Hi, I'm Pastor Karen, and this is... Pastor Mike. 
And uh, my husband and I, Pastor Brian Travail, are going to be doing a message in a few weeks on That's why today, we need each way. other. So as part of that, I'm interviewing Pastor Michael Quinlan because he is an active member of the Navy in the rank of Sailor First Class. Pastor Michael is also a loving husband to Elva. He's a proud father of Leah. Callum and Caroline. He's an evangelist to Uganda and Africa. He's a pastor at Inspiration 9 and a musician. So that's just a few of his, of his many talents. Stay busy. There you go. <laughs> Amen. Um, now, with respect to his naval and military position, that's kind of what I wanted to ask him some questions about because the, um, the message is why we need each other. So in the military, you have partner so tell me yeah. about having a partner so like when you start first you want to start boot camp and basic training you know you have your platoon and then you have your unit like your sections and then when you get to down to the bare bones of it you have your fire team partner or your winger and that's really your best friend you guys do everything together through basic training so did you take all the same training oh yeah you start you start day one it's your that's your fire team partner you normally have bunk beds so you're up and down and wow. and you guys look out for each other and if one of you is is missing or if one of you has an issue it's both of your your issue <laughs> wow yeah. so if you went to war mm -hmm. and the enemy captured the two of you right what would the enemy do so hard to know for sure but yeah. i imagine what most enemies would probably try to do is they probably separate you because you're able to be a motivation to each other encourage each other you know you might hold out long if your buddy's holding out long but if they can separate you they can say you know your buddy told us certain things and oh. they can try to use it against you right and you lose the you lose what you could have had in, in having a, a friend wow. in that moment so if one of you was injured mm -hmm. on the battlefield right. what would you do in that you got to get about that's your that's your out. buddy and it's and like something i always say is when you train you don't just train for you you train for the people around you and so everyone is motivated to train because they're motivated not only to worry about themselves but to worry about the people around them Wow. So you can have both confidence in yourself and confidence in your buddy. That's good. Yeah. Now, what if, what if the person actually was deceased? They were shot, right? And they were deceased, like right on the battleground, like right there. Well, it really depends on the situation. Okay. It really depends. But ultimately, usually, like you're never really gonna have two people. You're usually gonna have a, a group of people. Okay. Okay. But typically, when that would happen, is you're you're calling for more support to get everybody out. You really, it's a very, you're not normally ever in a situation where you're just leaving people behind. You never go to war alone. You never right? go to war you alone. Go to you war call alone. for more help. <laughs> call for more help. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Like, because even the Bible says, you know, can two walk together lest they agreed? And right. I mean, you, you have to be in agreement. You have all the same guidelines, all the same yeah. rules. What would it be like to go to battle without any, any guidelines or rules? 20 uh, seconds. I think it would be very <laughs> difficult. I think that you'd find yourself very lost and very overwhelmed because you can't defeat an army by yourself so you probably get taken out you probably get taken out very quick or you'd probably take yourself out and just save the trouble <laughs> there you go that's pretty yeah, serious stuff, isn't just it? call it a day very yep. serious right. so this is one of the reasons of the many reasons why we need each other thank you so much yeah, pastor michael quinlan me. and thanks for your service well, thank you for the support amazing eh did you all know that he was so talented is that amazing he's got so much going on kind of makes me and wonder how he has time for kids He's so busy. Yeah, he does a good job. Uh, he makes it all look so easy. And, you know, you can't go to war alone.
we need the, pl the whole platoon, right? We need, we need each other, just like police officers, right? You know, we see a lot of these things in, in the movies, um, a -a -tat 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 -tat. you know, one guy goes out there and he kills 100 people, right? Well, I mean, that did happen with, with Samson, but um, like it really, it takes your buddy, it takes the whole platoon, it takes the lieutenants, it takes the corporals, you know, the people who are planning the battles, it takes like a, a whole village of people to win a war. But we're just so thankful that Pastor Michael Quinlan is in part of the, uh, in the Navy and that he is, you know, taking the training and everything and doing a lot of hard work there. And we're so grateful for all the people in service, all the firefighters, all the police officers. So if that's you today, thank you, God bless you. Yeah. Just wanna talk about that video for one quick second before I go on to my section. Did you catch what he said there? And I think it's very crucial that we hone in on this. The question Pastor Karen asked him is, what would the enemy do if he captured you? Did you hear what his answer was? He would separate them. Who else do we know that likes to come into the church and separate people? We have an enemy, don't we? And his strategy is to what? Separate us. Which leads me to my next point. Reason number two is that we need fellowship. Don't go looking all happy on me like that, like you're looking like I'm trying to shackle you and chain you. I want to just point out something. There was a TED Talk a few years ago by somebody named Joanne Hara, and it went viral for an entirely new approach to addictions. Her approach said this, and it was probably the most famous quote from that TED Talk, it was, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's connection. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection. And it is so true. Pastor Karen was talking about how we're hurt in relationships, and the most important thing to healing is healthy relationships. Some of you ought to be a little more happier about that. <laughs> now, I can hear some of you are probably saying, oh, do we have to listen to this guy talk about addiction? That's not about addiction, okay? It's about connection. And it's interesting because when somebody goes into a 12-step program, the first thing they hear is, you need to make three calls every day. Or you may have heard 40 meetings in 40 days. Anybody ever hear that? It's pretty standard talk when you go into a 12-step program. And the reason it is is we got to start changing our brain. And when we start doing that, we're starting to create new neural pathways in our brain, and it's developing intimacy and connection because it's got to combat the intimacy avoidance behaviors that we've developed through hurt and trauma in our life. You guys are looking at me real serious. This is good news. There's, there's, a, good, there's a good ending here, okay? Just light, lighten up, relax, and we'll be, we'll be good. You, Karen will fix everything. <laughs> so the whole point is an addiction in every form is an intimacy avoidant behavior. Whether you're using a substance, a behavior like sex. Oh, did he say that word? Yeah, we're in church and he said sex. Eating food, work shopping, electronics, social media. Addiction by nature is the way that we disconnect from ourselves and avoid intimacy with ourselves and others and sometimes God too. Therefore, one of the most effective ways to combat addiction, 
as well as to heal loneliness and isolation, is to learn how to reach out for connection and intimacy. Oh, not that. Anything but that. So relational trauma wounds that have happened in your childhood or other points in your life, for me, I, I went through something very major in a divorce, and they are causes for intimacy avoidant behaviors. So in other words, we want to go isolate. Which brings me to my next point, why we need fellowship. By definition, fellowship is sharing of interest, ideas, or experiencing, uh, experiences amongst fellow believers. That would be you. Look at your neighbor and say, that'd be you. Companionships or friends. So disassociation is the act of separating yourself, not only in body, but in spirit and attitude from the body of Christ. That would be you again, too. So intimacy avoidant would be describes the degree to which an individual withdraws from a close emotional contact from a relationship or a relationship partner. Doing okay so far? Okay. John 13, 34 in the message says, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples and when they see the love that you have for each other. So the world would see something different, hopefully, if they walked into this building and seen how we interact and how we behave with one another. But the question becomes, are we really demonstrating that to them? That's a fair question, don't you think? Are we demonstrating that in our homes? There's a reason why we can get off the course here, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. We're to prefer to be with one another. How many actually just want to run and just hug everybody in the, in the chairs here? Good. That's good. We should. Romans 14.19, we'll all line up and hug after service too. <laughs> Romans 14.19, therefore, let us pursue the things which makes for peace and the things by which one may edify and build one another up. So we're to edify and build one another up. That's what that tells me, right? Do we always do that? And I'm not speaking to anybody specifically because I've, I've, I've convicted myself because I think we can all build one another up. We can all make phone calls to encourage. We can all reach out and just kind of help one another through tough times. So fellowship is based on God's word. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says we're parts of a body. In Luke 12, 32, he says we're his flock, we're, a flo we're his flock of sheep. In Matthew um, 12, 48, we're part of Jesus' family. In Matthew 13, we're his good fish. In uh, Matthew 22, 2 and 4, we're the invited guest of a wedding feast. That's pretty important. Uh, in Matthew 21, we're a labor force. We're a labor force. That doesn't mean we're in a labor camp. It means we're the hands and feet that are going to do his work. We're the voice that's going to speak encouragement. We're the hands and feet that are going to go and visit people when they're sick and in need. Ezekiel 37 says, we're like the bones of a skeleton which the Lord revives. It means we've all been busted. We've all been broken. We all have a fallen nature, but God is reviving it in us. He's restoring it in you. Are anybody feeling restored right now? Good. Uh, where's newlywed Bob? Come on up, please. <laughs> Bob graciously submitted. Bob and Maureen were recently married, so everybody give them a hand, please. 
So, Bob, I think you're a pretty strong guy. Mostly a five. This is a single pencil. I would like you to take it in two and snap it. Wow, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? It was. This is two people, or two pencils. I'll take that. I would like you to do the same. Well, that was a little harder, eh? A lot harder? Okay. Well, I got, a, I got the ultimate test. Here's a bundle of pencils. I'd like you to snap that, please. Next to impossible. Come on, you can do it. You can't do it, can you? Okay, thank you, Bob. Give Bob a hand. Thank you, Bob. So the point with this is, when we're bundled up like this, or when we're like this, we're a lot harder to take out. When we're like this, when we're like this, we're like this, it's not going to end well. Who's the enemy and what's his strategy? Separate us. Take us out. Thank you. Reason number three, why we need each other for healing and prayer. There's connection in that when we get together and we pray. James 5, 14 to 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We don't always want to confess our sins one to another, right? But you heard of making amends? You know, sometimes we just need to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And there's times where we may have a hidden sin that has been with us for years and years and years. And then if we have someone that we really trust, we need to let that go. We need to get it out. There's like a cleansing to our soul when we repent of this and we actually get it out of our mouth and tell another person. And of course, with caution, but the person that you trust would never, ever repeat it. Never, ever repeat it and not judge you. But again, just pray with you, right? So we want to get rid of those things that are like weights on us, that keep holding us back and bringing us back. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the emotion of joy. Joy, yes, is a fruit of the spirit that lives within us when we're born again, right? One of the fruits, joy, love, joy, peace, patience, Goodness, gentleness, self-control, and I probably missed one. Psalm 16, 11, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now, there's um, something that Brian and I teach called the Genesis Process. Now, in the Genesis Process group workbook, he, um, Michael Dye lays out an area of the brain called the joy center. The joy center is actually a part of our brain. And who designed that? It's God's idea. Yeah, you got it. So the first prints, imprints of our identity begin as soon as we are born. It's thought that an infant's brain is only able to recognize two emotions, joy and disgust. Now, joy is a unique form of gladness and is mainly produced by someone being glad to see you and be with you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it nice when you come to church and people smile and say, hey, how you doing? You know, you go over to your friend's house, your family says, hey, how you doing? And they smile. Doesn't that just make you feel good all over when someone's happy to see you? 
So healing and developing the joy center in the brain is a very, very important part, probably the most important part of getting free of destructive behaviors and relationships. That is why recovery begins with God. You know, my question is, is there any true recovery without God? Because he's the one that designed us and he's the one ultimately, he heals us. So matter, no matter what you've done and how messed up you are, God is always glad to see you. No matter what, no matter what you've done, it doesn't matter. He's always happy to see you. Try it. One reason we love having pets is because they're always glad to see us no matter how messed up we are. And do you have the picture of our puppy? They showed it? Yeah. It was already there? <gasps> Look it, that's our little puppy at three months old. Isn't she just adorable? Her name is Angel. Yeah, that was a little unfair. Cute? How can a pastor's turn down a dog named Angel? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't she cute? But like, no matter what, when you walk in the door, I mean, it's like she hasn't seen you for years. Like she just jumps up and down. She's got that little wiggle butt going on, the tail's going, and she's just so adorable. You can't help but smile. And children have the same effect. You know, when, it, when a child comes up, you know, sometimes they might just say, I love you, or they just have this big smile and they're so welcoming. Doesn't that just make you feel good? Now, disgust, on the other hand, is when someone is not glad to see you or be with you. And sometimes a parent who's struggling with his or, his or her own unmet needs can express disgust with his or her child. Disgust says, there's something wrong with you. You aren't good enough. That's the message that the child would get from that. From disgust. I'm not good enough. Now, who in your life is always glad to see you? For me, it was my grandfather. Whenever I saw him, oh, <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Thank you. Just got a reminder every now and then. Yeah, I got a reminder. She forgets the odd thing nowadays. <laughs> My grandfather, like, whenever I saw him, he just had the biggest smile, and he would take out his wallet. He'd show me all these pictures he had of me going back to, like, to grade two and four, right? He had a big wallet. If God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. So who in your life can you help heal the joy center of the brain? Because the joy center has to do with some systems of the body, the emotional system, the stress and pain system of the body. So when this is healthy, it's good for our overall being. So what can you do? How can you help heal someone else's um, joy center? And, and we also say that if you can't resolve something, Maybe the person has passed away, or maybe there's something that you just, the two of you just can't resolve. You know, you have another person in your life and you can't resolve a situation, forgive it. If you can't resolve it, forgive it. That's a process. Which brings us to reason four, accountability. So what have we had so far? We've had God said so, right? God's we need it. God God's said idea. so. It's God's idea, God's fellowship, and prayer and healing, right? And number four is accountability. So we're not really concentrating on the how so much as the why in this message. I don't know if you noticed it or not. And the reason is, I could tell you how, but most of you probably have tuned me out after the second sentence. But if you understand why, you're going to change something about what you believe 
And if you change something you believe, you will change how you behave. If you do not change what you believe, it is almost impossible to change how you behave. So the part one of this is we're going to look at is why is it important? Why is accountability important? In Ecclesiastics 4, uh, 9 and 2, it says that two are better than one. Uh, because they have a good return for their labor, for if one falls down, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who fails or falls without another to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can resist. Two can resist. Even when Bob was snapping the two pencils, he found it harder than it was when it was a single pencil. So number, number one reason, of course, is two are better than one. It makes us better people. Proverbs 27, where Pastor Dave left. He wanted to hear this. It makes us better people because iron sharpens iron, according to Proverbs 27, 17. And one person sharpens another. Look at the other one. Says, I'm going to see sparks flying tonight. <laughs> you didn't tell him that. We're here to sharpen one another. So this actually has correspond with what we've learned from psychology. Accountability helps people accomplish their goals in virtual any realm of life. It's interesting how Pastor Sherry mentioned about bringing a Bible next week, but if you don't have somebody questioning whether you bring that Bible, or if we all just walk in and out of here and nobody says, hey, you didn't bring your Bible this week, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to bring your Bible. But if we start asking one another, hey, I thought we were all going to bring our Bible next week, we're going to start bringing our Bible because we're being called on it. And what that does is it's not a shame. What it does is it shows that somebody cares about us. When people care about us, we're going to respond to that. It's a basin in here and need in us. It reflects the image of God. Proverbs, oh, <clears throat> sorry, the Bible teaches accountability is important, goes deeper than its practical and self-improvement benefits. It goes deeper. The most important thing is that we are created in the image of God. Look at your neighbors say, we're created in the image of God. As image bearers, we're intended for fellowship. It's God's plan, it, God said so, and it's his design. In Proverbs, uh, sorry, Genesis 2.18, Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Corresponding to him. Fit for him, it says up there in that version. My version says corresponding. But anyway, point is, compatible, corresponding, or fit. God's not bringing junk into your life. He's bringing the best into your life. Proverbs 28, 13 says, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. I want mercy. I don't believe you. So accountability is important for integrity between us and others. It's based on a connection to Christ. This connection to Christ is also called union with Christ. It's one of the key truths of Christianity. And we find this teaching in uh, passages that talk about uh, Christ. Okay, I got to move here. It connects us with the body of Christ. Galatians 6.2 says, Brothers and sisters, someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing. You are spiritual. Restore them with such a, a gentle spirit and watching out for yourself as well. It sets us free. Uh, we also see that accountability is about restoration, not condemnation. Biblical accountability is about freedom in our relationships, and it's wrapped up in our relationships. Uh, it's, and it's all wrapped up in the relationships we share through Christ. As we share through Christ, we will automatically want to connect with one another. 
And the second part of what about accountability looks like, it's focused on the truth, okay? John 8.32 says, Jesus will, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So accountability is always based on truth. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 says that the love-based truth speaking is required for mature believers. Speaking the truth in love lets us grow in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Uh, we are accountable for our actions, okay? So we are accountable for the truth. We're accountable for our actions. In Matthew 5, 29, Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. As you can read that, I'm not going to go through it all for the sake of time, but what I want to just point out is Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation here. Jesus is saying sometimes we've got to put... Uh, checks and balances in place. Sometimes we got to have boundaries. Sometimes we need something to isolate us from temptation. Something needs to stand between us and temptation because given to our own devices, we will choose temptation. And the last part of that is motives of the heart. <coughs> Excuse me. God is after our hearts. The Bible always talks to the heart. When I got saved, Pastor Rick looked at me and said, you need to get baptized. And it was like it was already here. It just, boom. Ooh, okay. Like, I don't know why I thought the guy was some sort of, I didn't know anything about Christianity when I got saved other than I went to church whenever my first wife told me I had to. Okay, like, I'm just being honest here, being transparent. So what he said was something that lined up here because God had already preordained it. He already put it in your heart. He's put something in your heart, too. And something we're saying here today is hitting somebody in the heart right now because that's where God does his work. Because when he speaks to us or when he speaks through us, it's always through and to the heart. Okay, your turn. So Amos 3.3. 3. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? This is reason number five. We need each other or family, children. We need each other. And God even puts the, the lonely or the isolated in families because loneliness is becoming an epidemic. And the cure for loneliness is intimacy. And we get intimacy in healthy relationships. So Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Um, I heard pastors, um, Dave and Jeannie McGrew from British Columbia, I heard them say a couple of things about marriage that I just wanted to say here because when they said it, I'd never heard it before. You might have. I didn't hear it before. They said, God has the right of ownership of the marriage for his purposes. And why did he create them one in spirit? Spiritual children. And when the two become one, the marriage takes on a life of its own and is expressed in family. God has a purpose for your marriage. Your marriage has a God-ordained design to accomplish something. Isn't that amazing? Your marriage has a God-ordained design to accomplish something. If the relationship fails, the job won't get done. Wow. When I heard that, it was like, wow. So don't let division separate the oneness, the unity in the marriage. So God has a purpose and plan for your marriage, but also for each person individually. Right? For the marriage and for each person individually. And our relationship with our spouse reflects our relationship with the Lord. Oops. 
some days, it's like, oops. Yeah, yeah. So accept an individual for who they are while they are changing. Has, has any of us arrived? Just do any of us get it right every day? Let's just accept one another while we're changing. Are you Is suggesting that, that I don't have it all together? <laughs> I, it was a hint. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I did. Am I, oh, am I good yep. to go? Okay, good. wow. Okay, so the next uh, and last reason is spiritual growth. And believe me, there's more than what we've covered. We tried to hit the most important points that we felt is necessary to healing relationships based on our experience with hurt and trauma in relationships, right? So in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, we're encourage one another, build each other up. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus basically told us we're two or three gathered together. That's us. We're here. He's here. Jesus is here. Hebrews 24 tells us that we're to stir one another up to love and good works. We're to stir one another up to love and good works. When I hear that word stir, I sometimes, sometimes figure that this may not be too comfortable sometimes. There could be some challenges that we're all going to face. And hopefully some of you, some of the things that has been, have been said here today have been stirred or you're feeling maybe just a little bit uncomfortable because if you're feeling completely comfortable that means we're not really telling you the truth because the we're going to talk about this in a minute i'll save it for a minute in galatians 6 it says that we're to bear each other's burdens and in doing so we will fulfill the law of christ we're going to fulfill the law of christ when we bear each other's burdens Colossians 3.16 says that we're to teach and admonish others, singing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what happens when we meet in fellowship. That's what's supposed to happen when we meet in fellowship. So as I wrap this up, if the worship team wants to come up, we'll land this plane. Hopefully it's not a crash landing. <laughs> um, there's an organization called Pew. I mean, Pastor Brian and Sherry, I'm sure you guys study that and get statistics from them every now and then. And what they do is they track statistics and, ten, uh, and trends over time. And there's a certain segment that they, it's called Religious Landscape Studies. Now, this was on Focus on the Family on November on the 7th, so don't tell me God's not a just-in-time God. As I was listening to this article, I was kind of shocked. And I'm only going to give you some of the couple of statistics that they quoted here, but what they found was as recently as 2019, that if you were to call people and ask them, how would they describe their religious beliefs? And if you gave them a choice of things like, were you Mormon, Jewish, Christian, atheist, or agnostic, 65% of people in US would actually answer, we're a Christian, I'm a Christian. But when you break down that question, and what you really want to know is, are you living a biblical worldview? Why was that an important question? Biblical worldview. Because we are a Bible-based church. We are a biblical view here, right? So in other words, how many people believe the core truths that are taught in the Bible and seek to live according? It doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we got it all down. But are we seeking to live a biblical view according to what the Bible teaches. This is the alarming part. This is very alarming to me. When they, answer, when they asked the question like that, what they found was 6% of people in the U.S. were actually living 
a biblical worldview. Why is that? Now, that doesn't talk about the 35% that didn't answer or answered something else. But what about the 59% of that 65? What are they living like that they think that they are living as a Christian? Isn't that alarming to you? Because I found that very alarming. I find it very challenging. And the reason I find that challenging is, why would that be? And when we look at that, I think we're grappling with that in the, in the church, in America and Canada, in North America in general. See, culture is redefining things constantly before us, day in and day out. They've redefined marriage. They redefine uh, moral standards. They redefined what a Christian is. So, oh, they were redefining gender before our very eyes. Marriage, right? Like, and I'm not here to criticize or do war with anybody, but I think as a Christian, are we just taking that or are we upset about that? I don't think we go to war, but I think we need to be able to stand up for what we personally morally believe is correct. But my question becomes, where am I personally getting this information? Where am I forming my beliefs from? Because if I'm getting it on social media, if I'm getting it by following the culture that we live in, am I doing the right things? Because I'm gonna tell you, you people are lovable. Some of those people out there are gonna test your ability to love. Doesn't mean we don't love them. They need us more than we need them when it really comes down to it. But we're called to be the light. We're called to be the light. And is it challenging? Oh my gosh. Is my gosh, is it challenging? Some of the people, oh, never mind. I was going to say something. I don't want to say that. You'll think, you'll think worse of me. But the real challenge becomes, how do we encourage one another as Christians? How can we be encouraged? Because I can see some faces of concern just with those statistics that I've quoted here today. And my, my purpose is not to discourage you. Because the good news is, no matter what it looks like out there, it might be growing darker, but the grace of God, the glory of God is coming down on the church in greater measure. The mercy of God is going to be poured out and it will not be restricted. And you are the light of the world. This is the good news. I've already seen the end of the story and we're going to win. It doesn't mean we're going to have some setbacks. It doesn't mean we might lose some battles, but we are going to win the war. And we got to hold on to the fact that no matter what it looks like, and no matter how dark it looks right now, there's a sunnier day ahead. And the battle will be won because it's the Lord's to fight. And we are his hands and feet. Would you stand with me, please? You know, the worship team started by playing a song that said, he's never going to let you down. He's never going to let you down. Oh my gosh, what a promise. What a promise. He's never going to let you down. Pastor Sherry and Brian, we're talking about we need to get up and arise, and sometimes we just want to have things come to us. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Man, I had to make some tough choices. I had to go through some painful moments as I walked out my recovery. As I walked out, taking God's plan and running with it, it's not all a bowl of cherries. Sometimes you got to spit out the pits. But I'm not complaining about the pits. What I'm trying to encourage you is to say is sometimes 
we got to get up and do something. Sometimes we can't wait for it to come to us. Sometimes we've got to take the effort and step out. And step out into God's will. Because it's perfect. And it's designed for each and every one of you individually. I want to just bring you to a, a section of Genesis 6. Verses 4 to 6. And I didn't put it up on there because God just downloaded it to me this morning. In verse 4 it says there were fallen, or I'm sorry, there were giants, which when you translate that, it means uh, Nephilim, fallen, or mighty ones. Okay, so there was giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward where the sons of gods came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old and men of renown. Sounds like a pretty easy story, right? Verse 5, then God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. God saw the wickedness of man on the earth. And that every intent, if you break that down, it means thought, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. In other words, our thoughts can be evil. When we're around people, we can be around evil thoughts. Watch verse 6. And God was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. That cheers everybody up, doesn't it? God was not staying there. God did not like the behavior. When we're in fellowship in the church, we're not going to like every behavior. We're not going to like every word that people speak to us. We're not going to like every behavior we see come forth out of one another. We're going to have some grievance. We're going to have some heart issues. But God worked through it. And not only did he worked through it, he made a plan to restore mankind. He, he provided Noah, which was leading to Jesus. And I'm here today, and if you're online, and you're hurting, and you can't come to church because you can't be around people, God has a better plan for your life. Jesus Christ is his name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have a word? is for those that have been hurt by people in the church, out of the church, today is your day to let that go. That the Holy Spirit is touching you, even at this moment, and giving you the strength and the ability that you need so you can move forward in life. So to release forgiveness to those people today, to see them as God sees them, Pretty much we all do the best that we can at the time with what we know. And we always, we all fall short. Yes. We all fall short. So forgive us yes. Amen. when we fall short. Forgive us for that. We ask you for mercy for when we fall short, short. And for those that have offended you, if you would extend them mercy today to and forgiveness I, 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 is for I, you. I just feel somebody here has to forgive yourself. That you are grieved right now from what has been brought up. And we're not here to grieve you. We're here to help you break through it. And I believe that sometimes as we go through failures, we, we feel in our heart of hearts that we let God down. And I'm here to tell you that God's not freaking out out there. He's, he's okay. He's on, the, he's on the throne. He wants to minister to you. He doesn't want you to stay stuck. 
And I just believe some of you just need to forgive yourself today. That you are grieved in your own heart and you see yourself as displeasing to God. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. That's the furthest thing from the truth. And if we've talked to you, anybody, is we're going to get ready to dismiss here now as we've kind of reached our time. If, if there's somebody that we've said something and you need prayer for something, you want to come up for prayer, please do. The rest of you, if you, if you need to go, please go. Uh, thank you for joining us. But just remember, God's going to have the last word. God is going to have the last word. And no matter what it seems like, while darkness is, might be growing darker out there, the light of God is going to shine even greater through you. And the Amen. pastors and prayer leaders, puppet, there's thank you. Dismissed. Hello and welcome to the After Nine Show. So if you're joining us right now, we just heard the message from Sunday, November 13th called Why You with Pastors Brian and Karen Travail. So basically what um, what we do here is this is kind of like a let's talk with our friends after service. Um, and if you're joining us live stream right now, um, this is an opportunity for you to kind of connect with us in a little bit more of an intimate way. It's kind of like a behind the scenes of what, what did we learn today? So we're going to have Pastor, um, I almost said Pastor Nathan, Pastor Davis and Nazy joining us in a few minutes with Nathan Workman as well. And then we'll be talking about um, what we kind of took away from the message today. So I'll share f something from my personal experience when um, a few, oh, I don't know how many years ago it was when I got introduced to the Genesis process, which is what they were talked about a lot today. Um, there's something that really stood out to me in the process. It's called the hope formula. So I'm, I might, I might butcher it, but it's that hope gives us the courage to take a risk. And then the risk gives us faith to hope and change. So it's like, it's like a circle. I probably butchered it, but basically what the concept is, it's like you put yourself in an opportunity to, um, potentially be hurt by being vulnerable and trusting people. And, you know, and it is difficult when that's something that you're not comfortable doing, or if that's something that has, um, given us scars in the past, it's putting yourself out there, putting yourself in a vulnerable spot to trust. And if you do get hurt, it's okay. Go back to the beginning and try again. So, um, I think that that's kind of something that they were kind of touching on today as well is it's our identity doesn't lie in how people treat us. It's, um, it's all like, we need to know who we are first because I can't fully love people if I don't really love myself. Right. And if I like say, um, I don't know, let me give it like, say, say Nathan does something to me that hurts me. I don't know. I just picked him cause whatever, but <laughs> I shouldn't, like what, what he did shouldn't be the thing that turns me off from people forever, you know? So I think it's just a learning curve in life too, because a lot of times we're very prone. I mean, we're human beings, but we're very prone to just say, oh, that hurt me. I'm never going to do that again. But that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to hire, right? And I think that's, you look at the Jesus's ministry and how he, it was him and people. Like he was always serving people. He was always, um, had people around him, people with him in ministry, his disciples, you know, his the three that he always kind of held close. So I think it's, I think it's a challenge for sure. And I do think it's something that will cause us to stretch outside of our comfort zones. But, um, mostly I think it's, it's being intentional with our relationships and pressing into 
you know, maybe the pain or the risk, but knowing that at the end, regardless of whether or not we get hurt, that God is our source, right? And that God is our, um, he's our pillar and our foundation. So I think it's pretty cool. Hopefully Pastor Dave comes soon. He's making his way over here. <laughs> Thanks, Shane. <laughs> okay. I could keep talking, but you don't want to hear me. You want to hear Pastor Dave. <laughs> um, so I'll grab it. Or Shane, can you grab the red mic for Pastor Dave? <laughs> Come on in. Hello. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Sorry, welcome. I, welcome. I okay. Can you take that? Okay. Welcome, welcome. So we were just talking about, I was just kind of sharing a little bit about my, um, with relationships and how sometimes we can put ourselves out there and get hurt, but knowing that it doesn't stop us from continuing to be vulnerable to trusting others. What did you get out of today's message, Pastor Dave? Well, there was a lot in that message. Just make sure you don't cover the bottom. There you go. There was an awful lot in there. And and, uh, it's talking about the importance of the body of Christ and the importance of fellowship. And it's just unbelievable what God does through fellowship, you know, and you never know who or what or when someone is going to minister to you. Uh, You, you are going to church to, to go to church. And all of a sudden somebody sometimes insignificant will say something and you'll say, that's for me, you know, you'll get blessed by, you know, so, uh, God's always got somebody somewhere to minister a truth to you. I was at a particular period of my life where I was, I thought nobody else was ever going through what I was going through. I, I had no answers. And I thought, I'm going to go to the church for the last time. I'm going to tell the pastor I'm quitting. I said, because this, this Christian life's not for me. And there was a lady preacher coming from, from Saskatchewan. And I remember when she came to church that time, I said, oh, it's all I need is a lady preacher. You know, that'll, 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 do, it. that'll yeah. do me in for sure. Because yeah. I was still a young Christian at the time. But anyways, make a long story short, I went to walk up and shake her hand and thank her for coming to the church because my pastor told me she came to the church on her own. She had, we, we couldn't pay her anything. And she said, I know I have to be there. So I'm paying for my own ticket. You don't have to give me nothing. So I thought, boy, boy, what kind of person would that be that would, you know, come all the way from Saskatchewan just to preach at a church. And I know they didn't give her anything, but anyways, make a long story short, when I went to shake her hand, I got around her. I got about from here to that light away from her, even further than that. And I sensed the presence of God so strong that I, I almost buckled my knees and, and fell down. I said, what is going on here? And she was praying up at the front. Anyways, I never forget that day. Yeah. Because she preached a message for me. Mm-hmm. It was just for me. I, you know, I, everything I was going through, she had the answers. And she was speaking and telling me what my problem was and I'm going who is this lady where is she from how come she knows all this stuff you know but anyways I I was changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye I just from being there you know and so how many times do we rob ourselves 
of a blessing from God because we didn't go to church. Yeah. You know, sure. or, or we didn't we didn't uh, want to fellowship with people, you know. And so I found many, many times God's got your answer in the body of Christ. Yeah. He doesn't have it at the corner store. He doesn't have it at the corner bar. He has his answer for you in the body of Christ because the body of Christ is so important. Yeah. And he ministers to us in multiple ways, yeah. you know. And God is amazing. And you yeah. never know who he's going to use or what they're going to say or when it's going to happen. And don't want to miss it, bottom yeah. line. That's my thought. That's great. Well, I think, too, it's good what you said, Pastor Dave, about how you, you kind of said at the beginning that nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody's dealt with what I've dealt with. You yeah. kind of, when you were telling your story. Mm. And I think that a lot of people do feel that way because a lot of us deal with our own things. But I think a lot of it, too, comes down to, like, um, an element of secret. And I think that if you are struggling if you do have a need where you need relationship or you've been isolating like pastor karen said that the cure for loneliness is intimacy mm -hmm. so you know a lot of things like i i know that if i don't share things with pastor sherry that i that are on my heart that i'm struggling with she could never speak into those areas because i've never given her an opportunity to see that side of me so i think it's also like like you said, you had that opportunity with that woman to open up and, um, you know, connect with her on that, on that level. But I think it's cool too, even how Jesus calls the church, the bride of Christ, right? Like he has a love for the church and it even says, I don't know the reference, but not to forsake the assembly of the brethren, yeah. right? So I think that it's in the Bible, like, you know, church has become, uh, it, it, it's a little bit more complicated than it used to be when it comes to coming to church. Cause we have venues, you know, podcasts, we have live stream and it's awesome. And we don't want to forget that technology is a gift too, but there's something really important about being here oh, and being with people. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 lo I love coming to church on Sunday and seeing people. And when we were doing the locked lockdown stuff and we had to do it over like the airwaves and stuff, it was nice, it was good to have that, but there was a, something important missing in my life. And it was just the fact that we come together in unison to worship a God together that we love and we have that heart for. So I don't know, just my thoughts. Oh yeah, very good, very good. Um, you know, God is good all the time. Yes. And God's got your answer to what you're going through. He has an answer for you. Yeah. And that answer generally is found in the church or the body of Christ or the Bible, pick up the Bible, you know, begin to read it. God will show you an answer right away. But, you know, being around God's people is such a blessing, such an opportunity. And that's what God uses. He uses the body of Christ to heal, to communicate, to, to change our lives, to give us what we need. Yep. You know? And there's all sorts of people that have been through all sorts of things. And sometimes you walk into church and say, you know, uh, no one knows what I'm going. Oh, you b better believe the Holy Spirit yeah. knows what you're going through. Yeah. And he'll target you and give you your answer. Right. Sometimes you have to be completely rebellious <laughs> to ignore that answer because it's coming right at you. Yeah. You know, God is good yeah. and he's faithful all the time. And it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're going through. He never, ever put you aside and say, well, you know, I gave her a lot of chances, you know. One of the things that really, <laughs> and this is her last chance. Yeah, yeah. No, no, God don't do that. You know, uh, <laughs> one of the things that really amazed me was Judas. Yeah. Okay, Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. Okay, but Judas, <clears throat> all right, was at the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say, you know, when he was betrayed that night, he didn't say, oh, 
this is it. I've had it with them. They're, they're all a bunch of losers. They can't trust them, you know. Look at Judas. What he's doing to me now. Jesus never looked at it like, like that. Right. He always had opportunity and provision for those to turn around. That's right. You know, always. You know what I mean? And so God is faithful. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter what you've been through, you know. He loves you and always will. You can't out yourselves away from God's mercy right. because God loves you. Yep. Don't ever forget that. That's awesome. And it doesn't matter what's got on in your life. He loves you and has got a plan for your life. Amen. That's amazing. Yep. And I just want to encourage you to, just in closing, uh, not to let your sin, like Pastor Dave was saying, or your shame keep you from pressing in to um, coming to church or yeah. keeping from pressing into relationship because that's what the devil wants to do is put that little division, that little thing in your heart that says you're not good enough for God's love. That's a lie that you are, that you are a child of God and that he loves you and that Jesus' blood washes us because um, he died on the cross for us, right? So yeah. just want to say that in closing that don't let your shame stop you from joining us at the house of God, right? amen? Um, all right, well, I think that's all we have for today, I'm Sarah and this is Pastor Dave, and we'll see you tomorrow at the Lighthouse at 6.30 or join us at the gallery for ages 18 to 35. Have a wonderful day. See you next week.